0: You're listening to the Bowman of the Yard podcast. Exhibit D. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Here we are. Peter, this is extraordinary, isn't it? Well, we're actually at the Silver Cross. It's quite amazing. It is amazing. We are in the fabled Silver Cross Tavern, uh, as featured in the Bowman of the Yard series. We thought we'd make a day of it, didn't we? Absolutely. We're face to face. Yeah. Now, so here we are. What is this? Exhibit D, I think, isn't it?
1: How did we get that far?
0: What, for...? I know. I'm hoping for a few more than four Four, thousand. Yes, quite a lot more. And can I say it's very nice to see you face to face for a change. I
1: know. My lovely face and yours indeed, sir. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, um,. Are you able to tell us what's coming up in this uh, exhibit, Peter? Well, I think I could probably have a go. Uh, what's coming up? We've got news, we've got letters yeah. to the yard, mm-hmm. and Willow Salix is our author in cells at Bow Street. Oh, yes. And, of course, stay tuned for the fourth part of the Smithfield murder.
0: Oh, yes. that's Now, that's where I'm uh, serialising the first short story uh, from Bowman's casebook. That'll be coming up at the very end of the podcast. But uh, in the meantime, here we are at the Silver Cross. Here's some uh, facts about this pub. The Silver Cross Tavern is a pub on Whitehall in London. It was first opened as a licensed pub in 1674, uh, but people have been drinking at this location since the 13th century. In fact, that, you see that man over there? He's been here since then. He looks it. They haven't turfed him out yet. Uh, and it's been argued to be the only theoretically legal, albeit non-operating, brothel in the country. <laughs> Did you know that? Uh, this is on the grounds that a 17th century royal license on the building was never revoked. Now because of its location, right here near the British government buildings and Trafalgar Square, the pub is frequented by members of Her Majesty's civil service and tourists and in the Bowman books at least, certain detectives from Scotland Yard, Mm. so keep your eyes peeled. In the Victorian era, the building had a new facade built and then in the 1990s, the pub was expanded into the large building that it is today because it is Quite a I size, know. isn't it? It
2: is very big,
1: actually. I thought.
0: Yeah, it's not really the cosy sort of tavern that I had in my mind when I was uh, when I was writing the books.
1: Well, I imagine there would probably be some cosy corners back in the day. Oh yes, fireside. Yes, exactly. Bowman in his favourite chair. Yes, well, we'll
0: have to try and find the uh, the hook on the fireplace where he hangs his uh, hangs his coat. Uh, I should also mention we've got a rather special guest with us today. Who's this? Hi hi Richard, how are you doing? I'm Um, very well, and you are? I'm Duncan Wilson. Duncan Wilson, hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have you with us. Now, Duncan's here because, uh, well, Duncan is a great supporter of Bowman of the Yard series. very often tweets his uh, appreciation of the short stories and novels.
2: Absolutely, absolutely Richard. I've been a big fan since you announced the uh, series and uh, I was uh, lucky enough to go and visit Bowman's home the other day. Yes,
0: tell us about that. I saw you posted it on the Facebook page.
2: Well, funny enough, because I was uh, coming to meet you, I thought I'd, I'd go and look at uh, some of the police museums and I went. was on my way to visit the Metz-Politov Museum, which is coming at Earl's Court, Yeah. and I was rereading the uh, Hampstead Garotting. Right. I went, hang on a minute, I'm gone to Hamstead Heath. <laughs> On my way back, I may take a little detour. Yeah. And so I did. Yeah. And I went all the way from uh, to, to Bellsize Crescent. And there it was. And there it was. It's a beautiful place.
0: You didn't it? see a certain disheveled Looking detective hanging about by the There's Facebook not many
2: dishevelled people in Hampstead, <laughs> in Camden maybe, but uh, not yeah. in Hampstead. Yeah,
0: fantastic. Well if you want to see, uh, Duncan very kindly posted a picture on our Facebook page, so if you want to have a look at that, uh, head on over to facebook.com forward slash Bowman of the Yard and you can see it there, you can like the page and you can add your comments and uh, tell us what you think about uh, Bowman's residence. Does
1: it have a blue plaque?
0: Not yet. It should do. What to say that Duncan was there? Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, that's enough uh, banter for now, Peter. I think it's
1: time we heard the news. What do you think? Absolutely. Take it away. Extra, extra. Read all about it.
0: Well, the first item on the agenda, as promised, the first four short stories from Bowman's casebook are now out in paperback. I know that that pleased Roger Smith because uh, it meant that he could read them before his birthday. So he was very happy about that, he got in touch with to tell me. So if you're a fan of the Smithfield murder, um, the workhouse poisoning, help me out Duncan, which one is next? The, um, is it the, the um, Hamster Garotti and the Hoban Strangler, uh, then you can pick up those first four short stories as an omnibus uh, in Volume 1 of uh, Bowman's Casebook. Also the novels are now available for free to Kindle Unlimited subscribers. Do you know about that, Peter? I don't know about that, tell me more about it. Duncan, do you know about Kindle Unlimited? I did,
2: because it popped up saying, this is free from Kindle <laughs> Unlimited yesterday. It was, oh, that's- There you go. But that's as much as I know, Richard, well, tell me
0: more. if you subscribe to Kindle Unlimited via Amazon, I think it's 7 99 a month, but that means that you can read and download uh, any single book that you see is uh, part of the Kindle Unlimited scheme on Amazon for free. It's yours to read. So, if you uh, would like to have a go at The Head in the Ice, The Devil in the Dock, or The Body in the Trees, find them on Amazon. If you're a member of Kindle Unlimited, you can now download them for free. Uh, the next short story, The Chiswick Robbery, is coming this month. Exciting. Yeah. Uh, subscribers, keep an eye on your inbox because it will be with you. I can't tell you exactly when because as of now, I haven't written year. I've made a good start. But this is what, mid March, we're at now. This podcast will go out on the 1st of April. So give me a couple of weeks, maybe mid April, and it'll be with you. And finally, now, Peter, you spend a lot of time on YouTube, don't you? It has been known. What sort of things do you watch on YouTube,
1: Peter? Um, Keep it clean. Okay. videos yeah. and uh such like yeah. uh, you're, you're obviously trying to guide me to say something but i, I can't well, know what you're guiding me to say
0: did you know that i have my own bowman of the yard youtube channel you never do uh, i do i do so if you were to visit peter youtube.com forward slash richard james author you would see uh, blurb readings from the backs of the books uh, some first chapters uh, book club reviews and also news from the Bowman Books uh, briefings, news briefings. Me talking about the books, talking to other people about the books. It's all about the books. Is it about the books? <laughs> it is. YouTube.com forward slash Richard James Author, and you can see them there.
1: Sounds like there should be a song in there somewhere as well. It's, well,
0: I, all about the books. I'll give you twenty minutes, and we'll hear that at oh, the end of the podcast.
1: Okay. Uh, that's it for for the news, Duncan. What
0: were
2: your initial impressions of the uh, of the series of the books? Absolutely. Um, one of the things I really like about the books, uh, Richard, is. The fact that you have is very detailed, but not over, it's, it's very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel that you're. Yeah. A very living, breathing city, yeah, with wonderful characters. Yeah. I always remember, and uh, in the first, one, in the head of night, there was a wonderful character, like, so I can't remember his name exactly. And you spent ages telling us what a lovely man he was, and oh, yes. how kind he was yes. to his workers, yes, and then you probably bumped him off. Yeah. I, I liked him. <laughs> no, well,
0: sorry, <laughs> he had to go, but he, he was garroted, wasn't he?
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. and. <laughs> I think that all your characters are so well realized that you actually kind of, I don't think I've actually known any other books that do this so well, I'm not sure this is the actor slash playwright in you Hmm. that does that, Um, yeah the real, they really come alive off the page and I, I, when I read a book I see it very visually and audio visually, so it's very much a play in my head, Lovely. Um, so it's absolutely wonderful to have all that happening. I think we'll leave it there, Peter, shall we? I, I think we need to have him along
0: more often. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Just marvellous. him. Yeah. Just him. We can go yeah. leave Duncan to it. Fantastic. Uh, yes. Now, you were also talking uh, a little bit earlier to us, Duncan, about having a favourite character in the series, an, an ancillary character that you've Yes, I was it would
2: be interesting to see what other people's yeah. ancillary characters, because yeah. I do love Bowman and Graves and Hicks. Yeah. but one of the characters, so this must be because he was re- re- reading it recently uh, is the young lad in the Hamster Garota Oh yeah Robert Tompkins Oh yeah I loved him and I was thinking I know Richard's talked about what may happen ten years down the line and I would love Richard I would love Robert Tompkins oh,
0: oh. to join the force yes. as a young Bobby Oh I like that oh, idea
1: Tompkins.
0: Now Ooh. if I were to use that idea would I have to pay you? No Oh well I'll use it then <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough yeah, he's a sweet boy, isn't he? Quite a nice companion to the... Uh, yeah, it rather... works
2: really well. The uh, yeah, I
0: liked it because he it, it sort of served the function of Graves in that short story in that he, he gives Bowman a bit of a bounce. Yeah. He I keeps his spirits...
2: Um, also, the sort of Robin to, to Bowman's Batman, at like a particular <laughs> time where he's quite dark, is he yes. kind of gives him that little light, yeah. a little bit of buoyancy, just to kind of lift his spirits a little bit. Yeah. It's not, there's a bit of optimism and a generally... Pessimistic yeah. Well,
0: would you like a bit of an exclusive, Duncan? Yes. Well, Robert Tompkins is coming back. <gasps>
2: wow. So oh, he will wow. feature,
0: yeah, in the fourth novel. Oh, the title see. of which I'm not prepared to reveal right now. Oh, that's fine. We will like a treat. <laughs> but uh, but come the autumn, you will uh, you will see. But yes, Robert Tompkins. How exciting. Is coming back. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. Geez. I like. It. it is these uh, the little side characters that often grab people's attention, perhaps more than the lead the lead characters sometimes.
2: Well, I, I don't, I think, well, no, I think
0: all will need characters. Ah, pish, so. <laughs> pish and fine. Anyway, uh, enough of Duncan for now because uh, he's making my head swell far too late. Uh Let's head over and hear some Letters
1: to the Yard.
2: Letters to the Yard.
1: Right, well, we've got a letter here from Alex. He says, Evening, all. Sorry. Hey, evening, Alex. Sorry, I had to say it. Uh, no. Great to hear in the latest podcast that the Bowman series has a future and indeed a past beyond the current saga. Also, I'm looking forward to adding the first short stories collection to my other paperbacks. You can't beat a good old book on the shelf, in my opinion. I'm so old school. P.S. Really enjoying the readings at the end of the podcasts. All the best. Here's to Exhibit D and more Big Al of the Backyard. <laughs> He sounds like a character, like a desk <laughs> yeah. sergeant or publican or something. Yes, like. that's right. Well, look
0: out, maybe he'll feature in, uh, in, a, f- in a future story. Yeah, thanks for that, Alf. Uh, very nice to hear from you. Interesting about that, people enjoying having that the physical book on the shelf. Yeah. Because I think we're all <clears> you know, very keen to have our e-books, but we do like sometimes to have the uh, the actual thing up on the shelf that we can see, particularly as the collection grows. Yeah,
2: definitely. Oh, i like the sniff of a book. <laughs> the sniff of a book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which there's, a, a, there's a smell, isn't there? Yeah, actually? there is, that's oh, right. A nice newly book. Yeah, isn't it, isn't no... It was
0: very nice. when Once the uh, the short stories, those first four were, were published, a couple of people tweeted me with uh, pictures of, of all of the novels Ooh. and this new collection of short stories on their shelf. There's a growing collection. It was rather nice. Um, now, I have one from here from Anthony, uh, who says, I enjoyed your latest Exhibit C podcast with Peter Crouch, and uh, thanks for reading my email out, he says, previously. Here's another one. I thought this true item would make for an interesting advertisement for a future podcast. Well, yes, Anthony, but actually I'm going to read this out here rather than have it as an advert, because it's quite fun. Bicycle face. Uh, Late 19th century doctors warned women against riding newfangled bicycles as the upright posture and exertion would cause this condition of an appearance, uh, usually flushed but sometimes pale, often uh, with uh, lips more or less drawn and the beginning of dark shadows under the eyes and always with an expression of weariness. Bicycle face. (laughs) I mean, I think I've had that for the last 20 years. <laughs> what an insult, an expression of weariness. <clears throat> uh, uh, it was reported in medical periodicals at the time, says uh, Anthony. Again, probably a paternalistic and misogynistic view uh, on the coattails of hysteria medical <laughs> attitudes at the time. Yeah, interesting that, isn't it? Yeah. Women do not ride bicycles. <laughs> yeah, great. Nice one, Anthony. Love that. Uh, if you've got yeah. uh, any comments that you'd like to share with us, send them into podcast at Just like this next person,
1: Peter. Yes, a letter from Rob. He says, Who voices the intro to the podcast? I recognise the voice, but I can't put a name to it. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, that's... uh, Do you know who this is, Peter? Well, I do. Ah. I don't. Ah. Now, there's an actor called Paul Putner. P O T N E R. Ah. If you don't know the name, uh, listeners, you will certainly know the face. Google him because uh, you'll recognise him from the likes of Little Britain. Uh, Lots of comedy stuff he's done. And I was lucky enough to tour with him over Christmas and the New Year when he very kindly recorded the uh, the little intros and the various inserts.
2: I loved him from Look Around You. Look Around You, he was in as
0: well. That's right. Five pounds. I mean, he really is the definition of uh, been there and done that in uh, comedy circles. So, So, yes, Paul Putnam. Yeah, look him up. Uh, Now, this is from Paul. Uh, Now, going back to favourite characters, uh, Paul got in touch uh, following the news that the next short story will be from Hicks casebook, uh, because, as you may know, Inspector Bowman is still otherwise engaged. Uh, He said, uh, fantastic, he's a character I love because he's obnoxious. I don't know why I like him, it's just amusing watching him making an ass of himself. Can't wait for the story, expanding the characters again. And this is echoed from Rob as well, They got in touch and said, Hi both, uh, for some reason I have a soft spot for in- Inspector Ignatius Hicks. He's a bumbling fool, but somehow seems to get away with it. Finally finished The Body in the Trees, he says, what an ending. Mm. Now we can't talk about. Um, the we can't really, talk can
1: about we? him no. for fear of spoiling. Spoilers. 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 Yeah. We can't do that. So yeah, I'm still uh, recovering.
0: No. Uh, still recovering. <laughs> yeah. Well, so is Inspector Bowman. Yes. Uh, yeah. Hicks seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a favourite. Now I, I I rather like Hicks a lot. He's great fun to write. But what I try and bear in mind, and I think this might come out in the next short story featuring him quite heavily, is that he's quite a dangerous character in a way. He's not because he's he's not. He goes in with his size ten feet without thinking first and okay he has his comedic elements but actually that's quite a dangerous thing to do Mm. and I think there's rather a snide side to him as well
2: Um, yeah I think I was reading sorry I was reading something that uh, Bobby's were only paid like a shilling so they're quite a low yeah uh, and obviously he's from quite a low Background, yeah. so I figured that he's managed to uh, work his way up, but yeah. not necessarily through intellect. He's no. like the old school. Cause yes. Bob, the old school through his police. bluff and bluster. That's and, right. Uh, Bowman's the kind of upcoming uh, new style of detective. Yeah.
0: You know?
1: yeah, he hasn't got the intellect, but he's quite canny, though, isn't he?
0: Yes, getting... but I think only when the, it suits him. Yeah. If he can yeah. see something in it for him, I think that's... Uh... Well, it's all about him, isn't it? <laughs> Of course it
1: is. I love in the Smithfield Bird where he's, he's uh, eating and he doesn't want to go away from his, his breakfast. He's, <laughs> he wants to finish his meal. It's, that's the most important thing. <laughs> yes. Well, we also have a letter from Izzy. I just wanted to drop you a line about your marvellous podcast. For only having a few in the bag, it is polished to perfection. I love the adverts and the music especially. I think I better start reading the books bravo sir <laughs> <laughs> Nice one,
0: Izzy. well well, yes Izzy you should start <laughs> reading the books in fact I know that Izzy has started reading the books because again she's gone to facebook.com forward slash Bowman of the Yard and she's posted a picture uh, of the front cover of the book oh, The Head in the Ice well done so she's on the way so hopefully that's another one hooked
1: excellent
0: uh, but we should see thanks for getting in touch there uh, Izzy uh, this is from Barry who said good day Richard and Peter I've really enjoyed the first two short stories uh, so that'll be The Smithfield Murder and The Workhouse Poisoning again Duncan, that features another character who I spend great lengths uh, describing every intimate feature of his face uh, and his, uh, his character and his clothing, only to kill him off in the first, uh, <laughs> the first three pages. Uh, he says, I've really enjoyed the first two short stories, uh, and now that I've subscribed to your YouTube channel, I have a lot more to keep me busy. Enjoy your writing immensely. Oh, Thanks, Barry. It's very nice. Yes, do head over to my YouTube channel uh, and uh, leave your
1: comments there as well. And here's a, a note from Stephen. He says, Richard, just finished the second book of the series, and though I enjoyed the first, mm-hmm. I felt that you've stepped up a gear with the devil in the Dock. Mm. Added complexity and a broader scope, made for an even more gripping tale. Uh, I'll be after the third book very soon. All the best, Stephen. Thank you, Stephen. Very good. Duncan, what's your favourite of the three novels,
2: would you say? Ooh. Mm. That's a tricky one. Um, I think i still... I think the second one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky one because they are kind of very different in their feel. This is what's nice, very fresh. Yes. Yes, I think it helped
0: taking Bowman out of London for the third one to keep that that fresh feel. Yes. Uh, rather um, than retreading old ground, I think.
2: There's a different
1: pace, I think, with Body in the Trees, and, and I like that yeah. change of pace, whereas Devil in the Dock is very frenetic, and it's, yes. it's lots of chases, and, and yes. uh, really exciting, but I, I do love Devil in the Dock.
0: When, uh, when I write, I sometimes like to listen to music, and the music I chose specifically for the Devil in the Dock was um, was Murray Gold's music uh, from uh, Doctor yes, Who. Yes, yes, yes. Oh. Because uh, <laughs> it's got a real... Th- Forward sense of momentum and real drive to it, which I found really exciting. Uh,
2: I do think it was interesting to make, make a note of the differences between um, the life within a, a city such as London and what was going on yeah. in the more rural agricultural parts because it's yeah. different. Um, i say saying that was changing a lot, certainly through the uh, 19th century due to industrialisation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but again, all- uh, I've I, I'd start taking bits from your books and then start going, oh, yeah, that's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think it's interesting that the, you know, London at that time really was, this, I think, had the sense of being at the centre of, of an empire, mm. of a vast empire that covered, you know, what was it, a third of the globe? Yeah, I think.
2: and it was also quite multicultural. Though, yes. Out there, yeah. was very much... Whereas yeah. you get
0: out into the sticks, they must have felt so far removed from yeah. all of that yeah. uh, industry and bustle and commerce. Yeah. You know, only just sort of 30 or 40 miles out of London as, as Larton is in The Body in the Trees. Uh, so that was a nice, uh, nice yeah. difference to play with, I think. Uh, well, fantastic. If you have any uh, questions or comments, do send them in via email to Peter. Do you know it by
1: now? Off the top of my head? No, I don't.
0: It's podcast at bowmanoftheyard.co.uk. Oh, or can
1: they can else. head on over
0: to our Facebook page. Do you know that yet, Peter? No. Oh, It's facebook.com forward slash bowmanoftheyard. Okay. <laughs> what would I do without you? I tell you what you'd do without me you'd hear from our sponsors. (laughs) Learn to hypnotise. Reader, do you wish to become a hypnotist? Do you want to know how to utilise the most powerful and mysterious force of nature? Do you value control over others? The greatest hypnotist of the century has just released in book form a large and exhaustive treatise in hypnotism and he will send it while the edition lasts absolutely free to all who apply. Apply at once. Women made beautiful by Diano, develops the bust, fills all hollow places, adds beauty, curve and grace to the shoulders and neck, charm and attraction to the plainest woman. Beautiful women everywhere owe their superb figure and matchless loveliness to Diano. Safe, secure, pleasant. Medical and private testimonials and full particulars sealed for stamp. Sleepless baby? Use laudanum. Sears Robox sleep remedy. Also aids in pain relief, yellow fever, cardiac disease, colds, dysentery, excessive secretions. Praised by mothers, recommended by physicians. At bedtime, take a pleasant drink. The next morning, feel bright and new. Acts gently on the stomach, liver and kidneys and moves the bowels each day. Laudanum. Always useful both for children and adults. There we are. Some uh, adverts for your titillation.
1: Absolutely. I have
0: to say, uh, none of them are quite as good as... Bicycle face.
1: Oh, Anthony really bicycle hit, bicycle hit the spot there with bicycle yes. face.
0: <laughs> now, uh, Duncan, you brought several things with you this afternoon to the Silver Cross. Yes, uh, so I brought lots of things. that I bought yes. uh, because
2: of being inspired by Bowman of the Yard. Yes. I have a map. Oh, yeah? Oh, I write ideal for uh, the uh, Camden kidnappings. Oh. So the map of Camden and Kedges town of 1894. Perfect, oh, yeah. That. Excellent. Uh, a copy of Bradshaw's illustrated book to London and it's Environs 1962. 1862
0: Crikey. yeah. Um, I have to say just at this point I was saying to, to Peter earlier Duncan that uh, you are something of a barometer for me every time I write a new book or a short story and it's released I always wait on Twitter for uh, Duncan's approval <laughs> and if I get a thumbs up I know I'm doing alright because <laughs> he is something of an expert in these matters
2: well, I'm not saying an expert I think I mean, I've always had an interest in history. Um, I grew up in Colston. There's lots of history there. Yeah. And where does
0: the Bowman series fit into that then? How? Uh...
2: I think you just sparked it because I think it, uh, because you've uh, kept all the maps and that. It's interesting to see how the city has changed and moved. I mean, certainly in the 19th century is a huge period of change. And so I'd just like to kind of find out and see what the locations were like at that particular time. And uh, it makes it a lovely, even more than you have done it, it makes it even more a living, breathing city to me.
0: Because you're one of those, aren't you, Duncan, that likes to follow the map as you read the story. Um, Checking up on me.
2: I kind of no. I read the story first, then I go back, and then I check them out. No, no, I don't check up on you. I go, oh, that's interesting. I say, particularly with the Camden kidnappings. Yes, very- it's your manner, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Very good. That's lovely. Um, I think it's time then we we head into the uh, the cells at Bow Street to see who's incarcerated this month.
2: You're nicked.
3: Hello. Anyone there? I've been down here for hours surely I'm entitled to one phone call I shouldn't be down here I've done nothing wrong that Google search was purely for research purposes I promise oh come on don't you know who I am fine my name is Willow and I write under the pen name of Willow Salix I'm a paranormal romance author who specializes in in creating handsome men, strong and sassy heroines and weaving traditional mythology, with my own spin of course, into the modern world. My books are set all over the UK as well as venturing into other parts of the world and feature a host of supernatural creatures including vampires, shapeshifters, demons, gods and the Odd Fae. In my world these immortal creatures live in secret blending into the mortal world but never fully being part of it you can find out more about my series you can check out character bios and read first chapters and some completed short stories on my website www.willowsalix.com and you can follow me on instagram and twitter under the name willow salix author and on my facebook page willow scribblings i love to chat to people so come along and say hi You can find my books on Kindle, Kobo and Nook, along with Amazon Paperback. In fact, the first book in my series, Two Minutes to Midnight, is free across all ebook platforms so you can just jump right in without it costing you a penny. Though I do warn you, things can get a tiny bit spicy and I don't shy away from bad language and things can sometimes get a little bloody, but such is the nature of the beast. But if you like the idea of reading about immortal creatures that are just waiting to find their true love, all wrapped up in a sexy, humorous package, then these are the books for you, my friend. Oh, you have to go. Well, it was nice to meet you, but I really would like to get out of here now. I've got an important job to do for the Immortal Council. I'm the official biographer, you know. So if you could just ask the guy at the desk to call my lawyer. Oh, and, and Richard James, he'll pay my bail. Thanks, your love. Oh, also, before you go, any chance for Kappa?
0: So that's Willow Salix languishing in the cells at Bow Street this month. Now, she primarily writes, as she said, paranormal romance. Uh, Her background as a pagan with over 20 years' experience gives her the insight and knowledge to write real aspects of witchcraft and spells into her stories. And as well as this, she's an extensive knowledge of magical creatures and mythology. Her favourite books as a child, and still one of her favourite authors, were written by Dennis Wheatley. And after being introduced to his work by her grandfather, there began a love of all things supernatural, good versus evil, and good old romance. Sounds alright, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so do search for her on Amazon or at willowsalix.com. Favourite authors, Duncan?
2: Richard James. Ah.
0: Time, please, gentlemen. Let's have all your glasses. Oh, uh, well, so we've been forcibly ejected uh, from the Silver Cross. Oh, time to drink up. Come on, quick. Drink up all your glasses. Sure. Let's be off. Right, uh, Peter. Thank you so much again. My pleasure as always. joining me for Exhibit D. What are you doing this time next month? Or probably Exhibit E. Uh, let's do that. And Duncan, thank
2: you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for inviting me. Richard. Good luck on your long walk home. <laughs> thank you very much.
0: And thank you, you at home. We'll see you next month. See you next month. Bye. 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 The Smithfield Murder. A short story from Bowman's Casebook by Richard James, part four. When a man is found hanged among the carcasses at Smithfield Market, Detective Inspector George Bowman questions the other stallholders. Hibbert's body lay face down on the butcher's block. As Bowman approached, Graves ran towards him, waving his arms in alarm. Hicks has opened the market, he yelled. Bowman quickened his step to join his companion. "'Boothbiss charmed him! Now Hicks has acquiesced! There's a hundred people at the gates, all champing at the bit to get in!' Graves' curls bounced on his head in agitation, and his face was flushed with concern. "'We can't have people tramping through this market,' enjoined Bowman, "'while we're in the midst of an investigation. Where is Hicks?' His question was answered by the appearance of the inspector himself. Hicks was carrying himself at full stretch, His chest puffed out in direct challenge to Bowman. "'Worry not, Inspector,' he began. "'I've arranged for the removal of the body on a cart. "'There's no reason to delay the prospect of a day's living to these unfortunate souls.' Hicks gestured widely to indicate the traders and sellers who milled about him. "They can't all be guilty of murder.' Bowman was seething. "'Inspector Hicks,' he spat, "'you should know that you are here against my better judgment.' If it were not for the Commissioner's insistence, you would still be scoffing eggs at the inn. Hicks' eyes were wide with incredulity. Where was your precious judgment on Lambeth Bridge, Inspector Bowman? Bowman was taken aback at the remark. He stole a glance to Graves, who could not meet his gaze. So he had been talking. What do you know of Lambeth Bridge? Bowman felt his face flush against the cold morning air. He was fighting hard not to swallow. Hicks looked directly at his fellow inspector. "'I know what I know,' he said unflinchingly. Bowman blinked. The events on Lambeth Bridge seemed a lifetime away. It came as some surprise that they had only happened four weeks since. "'Now,' continued Hicks gruffly, "'I will have that body moved, and I will open this market.' He reached beneath the folds of his great coat and, almost improbably, retrieved a ledger. "'In the meantime,' he teased, "'I will leave this with you. "'It is from Boothby's office and contains a list of every man to be employed here. "'I've had my fill of intrigue for the day.' He thrust the book into Bowman's hands and retreated through the throng. With a pipe between his teeth and a spring in his step, Hicks had every intention of spending the rest of the day at the Silver Cross. It took four men to lift Hibbert's body and lower it onto the cart. With the block now clear of its grisly burden, Bowman placed the book upon it. Where do we start, Graves? There must be over two hundred names here, and who's to say the killer is amongst them? Graves threw him a cheery look. It's a start, though, isn't it, sir? Bowman studied his companion. He had thought Graves dependable, a friend, perhaps. Bowman supposed it only natural that he should have been talking. The inspector had almost frustrated the investigation into the head in the ice, but for a moment of clarity the end might very well have been very different. He had not been himself, he knew that now, and wondered whether he ever would be himself again. Yes, Graves, it's a start. Have a word with Boothby, would you? Get those gates closed again so we can proceed. Ask him of his whereabouts last night. Then direct your attention to the stallholders along this row. Sergeant Graves nodded his assent, turning away to Boothby's office while Bowman closed the pages to the ledger. It made sense, he thought, to interview those traders directly adjacent to number 34 to begin with. Hibbert's immediate neighbours struck the inspector as an unlikely pairing. The older of the two, a man who introduced himself as Oshihi, was a middle-aged man of Irish stock. A shock of ginger-red hair was barely contained beneath a bowler hat. His wide girth strained against his blood-stained apron. A pipe clamped between his teeth. Oshihi regarded Bowman with suspicion. "'I had nothing to do with the man if I could help it. He was a drunk,' Oshihi sniffed. "'He went about his business, and I went about mine.' He was joined by a much younger, wiry man with a pockmarked face. He stood with his hands in his pockets as he looked Bowman up and down. "'I wouldn't give him the time of day if his life depended on it,' he drawled. "'And where were you last night, when Hibbert was killed?' Bowman licked the stub of his pencil, ready to record such information as the two traders would deign to give him. "'With Boothby? At the Bishop's Finger across the way?' Oshihi pointed beyond the market entrance to the street beyond. We need a pint or two to get us fettled before we put ourselves to bed. Bowman made a note and looked to Oshihi's companion. The younger man looked the inspector straight in the eye. We often head there after a day at the market. Were you in company? Bowman asked. Aye, confirmed the older man, filling his pipe with fresh tobacco from a pouch with a good many of those you see around us. Until the bell was rung and we were sent to our homes, if Gladstone hadn't had his way, we'd still be there now. The two men shared the joke, Oshihi jabbing his companion in the ribs with an elbow. Bowman sighed. William Gladstone had believed alcohol to be the curse of the working man. To curb his excesses, he had enacted a bill while Prime Minister to close public houses in the towns and cities at midnight. Then you had but two hours sleep. Bowman's raised eyebrow was enough to betray his scepticism. "'Does no harm once a week,' O'Sheehee proclaimed airily. "'We don't keep Scotland Yard hours here, Inspector,' his eyes narrowed. "'We work hard, and we play hard.' As a preliminary interview, it had yielded nothing. Bowman nodded in understanding, tipping his hat in thanks as he snapped his notebook shut. With an impending sense of futility, he moved to the next stall, He was confronted by a frail-looking man with mean eyes and a shifty countenance. He introduced himself as Griffiths, and retold the same story almost word for word. I closed the stall as the bell struck four, Inspector. His voice had a nasal quality to it, which, under other circumstances, could have been described as comical. Not a minute later. I know there are some here who will stay to mop up the dregs of custom, but as I always say, a day's work is a day's work. Bowman couldn't help but agree, Pencil poised for anything of import. I passed Hibbert on my way out. I said nothing to him? Griffith's voice rose, as if in anticipation of a dramatic climax. And he said nothing to me. He folded his arms, in the clear hope of saying nothing more. And then? asked Bowman. Quite predictably, the man lifted a bony digit to point beyond the market's entrance, I had an evening at the Bishop's Finger with Boothby. Me and a few others here go way back with him. Ask around, Inspector. You'll find I was in good company. We sometimes need a pint or two to get us fettled after a busy day. He threw Bowman a defiant look. It was plain he considered the interview to be at an end. Bowman suspected that every trader in the market would tell the same tale. He was happy to be disabused of the notion at the next stall along. The young man at the counter was busy at his trade. A sharp knife was brought to bear on a cut of beef. Bowman took the time to stand and watch the youth at his work. With expert skill he cut around the bones, removing them without a trace of meat attached. The resulting joint was rolled and skewered with a layer of fat held in place with string. Fine work, Bowman offered in admiration. The young man lifted his gaze to meet the inspector. He was the first of the traders to offer his hand in greeting. Bowman felt he should reciprocate. Stanley Kelly, the man announced, pointing with his free hand to an ornate sign above his stall. There his name was emblazoned, along with the legend, A Butcher to Trust. Reaching for his notebook, Bowman paused with his hand in his pocket. Perhaps it might be better to just converse with the man. Been here long, he inquired. Since Christmas, Kelly replied. "'carrying the joint of beef to a shelf. "'It was busy enough, but a butcher's trade is not a way to get rich. "'He lay a leg of lamb upon the block and set about it with a cleaver. "'I'm hoping you'll get this market open soon so I can make enough to keep a family. "'You have children?' "'The man was clearly older than he looked. Three of the blighters.' "'Despite the tone in his voice, Kelly's eyes lit up as he spoke of them. "'The oldest, Molly, she's five now. "'Then I have twins of two years old.' They'd eat all the contents of my stall if I let em, he winked at the inspector, a charming smile bringing colour to his cheeks, and I probably would. You take pride in your work, I see. Kelly was wiping his hands on his apron. Couldn't face me missus if I didn't. She's with the Bairns all day, bless her. I couldn't go home to her at nights if I'd spent the day skiving. Bowman couldn't help but smile. Every now and then, but rarely, he would meet a man or woman in the course of his duties who restored a faith in humanity. Heaven knows he needed it. Stanley Kelly was just such a man, and all the more welcome in this investigation for it. "'The Empire would be a better place with more like you at its vanguard, Kelly.' Kelly's eyes lit up at the remark. "'I'd agree with that, Inspector. There are too many men content to sit back and play the country for a fool.' He leaned in, conspiratorially, lowering his voice almost to a whisper. "'There are many here to whom I would ascribe such behaviour. "'Men who are not afraid to break the law for profit.' He moved back to his block again, sharpening his blade on a stone. "'Not me, Inspector. Sweat and hard work will see us through.' He was back at his work again, deftly slicing meat from the bone before him. "'And put meat on my table, too. "'Could you tell me where you were last night?' I was where you'll find me every night, in the warmth of my own bed with my family about me. Bowman nodded in thanks and looked about him. Perhaps Graves was having better luck. Whistling through his teeth in exasperation, Bowman returned to Hibbert's stall to look through the ledger. There were over a hundred stalls numbered in its greasy pages. His heart sank at the thought of addressing every man inside them. If Hicks had still been here, he could have been sent back to the yard for manpower. He made a mental note to reprimand the man upon his return. Looking up, he saw Sergeant Graves approaching. He was shaking his head in despair. This is like a labour of Hercules. If truth be told, I'd rather be tasked with catching the Cretan bull than taking statements from every man here. Agreed, concurred Bowman sadly. And if I hear the word fettled once more, continued Graves, frustrated, I shall not be responsible for my actions. The sentiment was all the more surprising, given Graves' usually cheerful disposition. You heard that too. Graves nodded. I'd never known the word before, yet I've heard it four times in the last forty minutes. Heaven alone knows what it means. Bowman lifted his hat to smooth his troubled brow with the back of a hand. They've been schooled by someone. Why? Graves looked around him, suddenly seeing the market and its traders in a new light. There's a young man in stall number 31. Bowman traced his finger along the names in the ledger. Stanley Kelly. He tapped the name in the book. He seemed to suggest there are those amongst the traders who are not as honest as they could be. Perhaps Solomon Hibbert was one of the worst. Turning from Hibbert's stall, Bowman's attention was drawn to the steps by the market entrance. He was presented with a doleful sight. There sat Archie Walton, the young butcher's boy who had found his master on the hook that morning. He's got nothing, sir. Graves cast a saddened look in the boy's direction, and no other traders will touch him. Where will he go? Bowman's mustache was twitching. It seemed to him that Archie was an incidental casualty of the night's events. The inspector felt sorry for him. The street? suggested Graves matter-of-factly. Bowman thought for a moment. Sergeant Graves, I'm going to the Bishop's Fingers to speak with whomsoever I can concerning these men's stories. I'm of a mind to take him with me for a plate of eels. How would that please him, do you think? A wide smile spread all over Graves' face as he considered the proposition. I should imagine it would please him greatly, he beamed.